Uh, if you turn your Bibles to Psalm 139, and we'll look at verses 13 and 14. Psalm 139. Give everybody just a second to turn there. Says, for thou has possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that thou, and that my soul knoweth right well. You know, I'm going to say, uh, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Then, Father, Lord, we just thank you, love you, and praise you. And Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness of sins. Thank you for loving us and never giving up on us, Lord. Let us serve you mildly and well. And Lord, just pray that this uh, teaching this morning will glorify you and that it will edify and equip the listeners. And we just praise your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And this dawn on when I was praying, I completely forgot. I don't know why you're sitting right here in front of me. I didn't announce it. Uh, there's a group called uh, Disciple. Uh, Mr. Tony uh, uh, was giving this to me. And uh, it's uh, 6 p.m. on January 25th at uh, Discovery Church. It's $15 a ticket. But uh, I looked them up. They're a band out of Knoxville, a Christian group out of Knoxville. So if y'all want to check them out, they seem like they're on the up and up. Dad checked them out too. Seem like they're a pretty good group. So if you want to check them out, you might want to look into that. I'll post that, that tape up on the front doors out there and, uh, so everybody can get a better view of that. Uh, anyway, sorry about that, Tony. I don't know what I was thinking besides. Y'all realize when I get up here, I don't care. How many times I get up here, I still get so nervous. I can't hardly stand it. I just, I don't want, in fact, I, I, I was so nervous, I was trying to turn this on to stream out, and my hand was like, yes, I was trying to get to the button to press it. So I don't know why I do. I just, I always get so nervous. But uh, what it is, y'all, are just so beautiful. It just intimidates me to get up here. And, uh, but anyway, so, uh, uh you know, like I say, this is uh, considered sanctity, sanctity of Life Sunday. And uh, uh, although, uh, you know, the 22nd, like I was talking about earlier, was talking about uh, Roe v. Wade, talking about abortion, uh, what a horrible thing abortion is. In fact, Mr. Willie Smith had on uh, social media earlier this week uh, an article that I read. It said in 2019 alone, over 42 million babies were murdered just in 2019, and uh, they said, uh, they, they figured, I've got how many millions since 1973, they, they, that, uh, I know by 2017, they were estimating uh, 3,000 babies aborted a day. And that's sad, that's horrible. And then you have, uh, what's the governor in uh, Virginia, North, Northall, is that his name? Yeah. He, uh, I was reading an article that said that he is trying to push for a law now that uh, the woman can carry the baby to term, and after the baby is born, it'll be set to the side, and it won't be revived until the woman decides if she wants to keep that child or not. That's evil. Just, there's just no other way to look at that. That is just pure evil to, to allow a child to die. And, you know, I, of course, they, they have the red herring arguments out there that's that, uh, you know, what if the mother's life's in danger, which is very, very rare. What is the case of rape, which is very, very rare. But uh, in either case, uh, you know, we need to try to give that baby a chance every way possible. Uh, in fact, my aunt even had a tubal pregnancy. They wanted her to abort 20 years ago, and uh, she prayed, and uh, miraculously, the Lord healed that situation. And of course, my cousin was born, my own problems. 
And uh, so, you know, you, you have that smoke screen out there of, of why abortion is uh, okay. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, it's, uh, it's for no other reason. It's, it's not for bloodlust, but it's out of the sake of convenience. I mean, it's, that's the only reason why that, uh, in fact, uh, just another news article come out, a woman uh, who wanted to abort her twins, uh, she said that uh, she called them goblins. I don't want these goblins inside of me anymore, that it's uh, destroying my body. I mean, that's, and so other people uh, caught wind of that, started referring to uh, the unborn as goblins, and so they can justify and feel better about themselves about abortion. And um, it's horrible that that's the way they view life. Uh, the sanctity of life is, is no longer uh, appreciated and respected. We were created in God's image. And now I want to clarify one thing, though. And, and uh, in fact, we even had a woman here one night uh, that somehow got on the topic of abortion. It might have been the topic of that night. I don't recall. Somehow he got on that and the woman stood up and she was very, very upset uh, in, uh, on the subject matter because she had had an abortion. And that's one thing that we need to make sure that, that to clarify is that these women are victims themselves. And many of these women have uh, listened to a lie uh, that's been perpetrated not only by the devil himself, but uh, by the world. And uh, for whatever reason, they felt that was the right course to go through. And at the same time, many of these women uh, feel so much guilt uh, that they've uh, done this and don't feel like they can be forgiven. That's one great thing uh, about being a Christian is that Jesus Christ will forgive you no matter what the situation is. There's no, nothing so big, so grand, that Christ cannot forgive you. See, that's, that's a wonderful thing. I, I don't know how many people I've talked to uh, growing up or uh, before I went to the ministry, I'd invite them to church and say, well, if I come in there, the, the walls will come caving in. I said, hey, if Kim Henson can come, anybody can. Oh, I'm teasing. Did I say that loud? I'm sorry. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But seriously, you know, that's not going to happen. All right? There's nothing so grand or so major that God cannot forgive. And so that's one thing, whether you've had abortions or whatever you've done in your past or in your life, there's nothing so grand or so big that God cannot forgive you and love you. And it's because of that safety of life, you know, that, that we are made in God's image, that it should be respected. You know, that uh, you know, uh, we, we were told to uh, kill and, and eat animals for sustenance, but you know, when it comes to human beings, we don't do that because that is considered a great sin. And uh, because we were created in God's image, and, and even though we were created in God's image, and he foreknew us before we were even born, uh, that um, not only does this apply towards abortion, but also applies to life in general, whether we should fight against any atrocities or evils or things that are out there that uh, are, are wrong, that, that we need to, to make sure that we're, we're staying on the right path and, and having great respect a great fear uh, of our God, the Lord, and Savior. And when I say fear, I don't mean a very cowering, scary fear. It's called having a healthy respect. And, and that's why we, we were seeing uh, the way man has perverted sexuality. Uh, that's why we see uh, such an uh, uh, amount of uh, unwanted pregnancies. And also, I think it's because uh, we see so many shootings and murders because a lot of these kids were not, have not grown up in church. Uh, they, there's no mention of the Bible in the home. So there's no uh, understanding of the safety of life. No understanding of what it means to respect human beings and how precious life is. And so they don't care. They, they play all these video games and it's just imaginary. And, and so, you know, all these kids have mental, severe mental and emotional and spiritual problems. And so to them to go out and start shooting when things don't go their way uh, is, uh, is very frightening indeed. In fact... Uh, my wife, she works with uh, uh, young children, and she even had a kid, I think he was like in first or second grade, said he wanted to 
blow the school. And uh, he said, don't blow He said, but I like you. I'll make sure you're okay. So, I mean, but it's scary, though, that this, there's kids that young having that kind of mental attitude. But the many, most of the time, 99.9% of the time, the, the only reason for an abortion is out of a matter of convenience. And that's a sad situation. If you don't want the child, there's plenty of people out there who would love to adopt. And uh, so there's, there's no reason for that. But, you know, something that's very interesting, though, when you look, bless you, uh, when you when a child is born, I, I found this very interesting. Was the fact that uh, it, the child will have the same blood type as the father, but won't have the same blood type as the mother. And I, just, I found that very interesting. You know, you would think uh, that uh, you know it's hard to sensitize that even though the, the mother's carrying that child, the, the child is kind of separate from the mother. And uh, and that and to me, it just made me think a little bit about uh, the blood of Jesus Christ. That is no longer I who live, but it's he that lives in us. You know, and, and just the fact that uh, uh, we have, that, God, that Jesus Christ had God's blood flowing through him because he's very much God and very much man. And when you do a DNA test, you know, you, it's always tasting of the Father's blood because they will have that same match. And that, to me, that's, that's very, very interesting. And, it, and it's very interesting uh, to, for me. I love studying God's word. I love diving into this. And I love... Uh, preaching and, and telling others about Christ, but understanding Christ's sacrifice, how that blood covers a multitude of sins. And even uh, if you've had an abortion, whatever it is may be, that Christ covers that uh, in the blood and that we can be saved and we can be forgiven. Now, I want you to look over here, if you don't mind, uh, to uh, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. You got this a second to turn there. 1 Peter 1. But I just want to make sure that, that's uh, always wanted to, to, when I'm talking about abortion, to make sure that, because I don't want to, you know, I, you know there's, there could always be somebody watching or in, in the congregation who may have had one, and understand that they are forgiven and they are loved, and, you know, so don't, uh, I always want to make sure that that's, that is uh, understood. But uh, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And, you know, I was, uh, one thing that really kind of spurred uh, this uh, teaching this morning, or message, or whatever we call it uh, this morning. I don't know if you all are familiar, he's an illusionist, a magician, Jim Monroe. I don't know if you all know who he is or not, but I come across a video of his. And, uh, you know, he said he's a charlatan by trade, that uh, he deceives people, and, and that's, that's what he does. He's a con artist. And he was struggling uh, with understanding uh, the things of God, understanding the things of Jesus Christ, understanding the things of the gospel. And uh, he asked God to reveal uh, himself to him to help him understand uh, who God is and, and, and the reality and the truth of the gospel. Well, uh, it wasn't long uh, after he prayed that he was diagnosed with cancer, and he uh, was really struggling. His life was on the line. He took radiation treatments and chemo, and uh, they said the only way that's going to be able to save his life is to have a bone marrow transplant. And uh, he said they put him on the on the blood donor list. He said there's millions of people on the list. And they said they found one match, which was a 19-year-old girl, was the only match uh, to, that he found. And he was, he was praying. You know, he said he wanted to see his children grow up. He wanted to uh, be with his wife. And, uh, he, you know, he was just heartbroken and shattered. And they told him, they said, what they had to do is completely uh, destroy who he was. And uh, with all the, the worst chemo radiation they could. And 
He said, it'd be, he said he will have a brand new birthday. He said it'd be as if he was born anew and, um, and that he would be a, a completely different person. So when that 19-year-old girl, and they brought that black bag of blood in there and gave him that transfusion, they said that, um, uh, that, that when they do blood work now, they see XX chromosome. They said a 19-year-old girl uh, when they do that blood work and that he was a complete, that uh, there's a, a, a new person pretty much that come out as a result of that and he and the Lord cured him and that goes back to that verse I quoted a minute ago that it is not I who live but God lives in me and so that's what he was talking about that here he was you talk about being washed in the blood you kind of see the reality of the context of what that's saying that, that once we accept Jesus Christ our personal Lord and Savior when we are born again just like he's talking about being born anew we are covered by the blood of Christ it's no longer us who live that old us has been eradicated that old us is no more that's why I was talking about the old man, that we are no longer uh, held down by those things of the past, that all those things of the past have been nailed to the cross and we are forgiven. That's why it doesn't matter if it's abortion or what it is that you have done in your life that you may regret or wish you hadn't have done. That's a wonderful thing that you have a new start, a new beginning, that you are a new person in Christ Jesus, that that old blood that was in you before has been changed out with new blood, life-saving blood that can only come from Jesus Christ. In fact, I had... Um, but made a little little meme uh, on uh, social media, and of course y'all seen that. Uh, looks like the angry woman hollering at the cat, you know. And uh, I don't know everybody's kind of tired of seeing that. But uh, I put on there, and she looked like the woman was screaming out, uh, "I don't have to go to church to be a Christian." And I had the cat saying, "Well, you don't have to wear a parachute, jump out of a plane, but it certainly helps, you know." And but uh, I, <laughs> so you know, it tends to help a little bit. Uh, but uh, but on the caption though, I put a, a quote there by D.L. Moody. Uh, talking about attending church is life-saving blood uh, to a disciple, uh, and just as much as, as life-saving blood is to someone who is sick. I didn't quote that exactly. I paraphrased that. Uh, and if you're on social media, you can go back and look at the exact quote. But uh, but it's true. This is uh, the God has, that we come here. This is our life-saving blood. This is what we need. We need this lifeline so that we can grow uh, as as Christians. So we can grow to spiritual maturity uh, so that we can be stronger in our daily walk. That we can fellowship and come together with like-minded believers. Church is important and it is imperative to our Christian walk. And, and that's why I want to encourage, that's why I make these kind of things, to encourage people uh, to come to church. Because each time before I preach, I always make a little video on social media to encourage people uh, to come out into fellowship and, be, and come together because as I was talking about even this morning, the devil will give you a million and one excuses why you can stay home. He will be more than happy to tell you you're too tired or uh, you, you know it's a good day to stay in or I don't, I don't feel like going today. It's so easy, all right? I know because when I went in the ministry, I, I had used all those excuses. Well, I worked hard this week. I don't feel like going and let's just hang, stay at home today. It's so easy to want to do those things. But we need this. This is our lifeline. We need to be in church. And, it, 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 and the Bible reinforces that, to not lack that assembling of ourselves together. And so that's why we need to come together. So we understand these things, what, what the blood of Christ, what that symbolizes, what that means, and how we are covered and that we are forgiven. The reason why we, we continue to preach the power of the blood, because there is still great power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to understand that, that forgiveness, that atonement uh, that, uh, that we received, that free gift of salvation is some of the points we were hitting on a little bit on Wednesday evening. But, uh, you know, there was a, a, a man... In fact, um, uh, what was his name again? It was Nicholas von Zinzendorf, I think was his name. But he, uh, if you don't know who he is, uh, he uh, uh, 
was the, he was German born. He found Hernhut in the 1700s. It was a, a group of uh, very um, uh, uh, Christians of strong faith that he found. He sent out missionaries all over the world. And uh, something that uh, that really changed uh, his attitude. Uh, he was at um, um, oh goodness, my mind is went blank on me this morning. Um, Oh, that doesn't matter. But anyway, one of the area that he was at, at um, was uh, he, he, there was an art studio there. And um, there was a picture of Jesus there. It's, uh, it was called uh, Eke Homo, E-C-C-E-H-O-M-O, Eke Homo, uh, which means behold the man. And it showed Jesus Christ. And um, it showed the, the crown of thorns on his head and the blood that was running down on his head. He was just fascinated and captivated by that picture of Jesus. And under the caption of that picture, it says, look what I have done for you. What have you done for me? And, and that, that just captivated uh, his, uh, 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 Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf or something. It, kept, it captivated him. He couldn't get that off his mind. Uh, it, it, those powerful words, seeing that blood uh, running down Jesus' face, understanding the sacrifice that Christ had made for us to save us from very real and eternal hell, and seeing that caption, look, this I have done for you, but what have you done for me? What have we done, church, for Jesus Christ? What have we done? Do we fight against those things that are evil? Are we fighting and protesting against abortion? Are we fighting and protesting against anything that is contrary to the Word of God? Are we standing up to those things that are contrary to the Word of God? Do we make excuses? Do we make allowances? Do we excuse sin? Do we water that down and sweep it under the rug? It, what, what are we doing? Ask yourself each and every day, when you think of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice and what He has done for us, what are we doing? Are we truly demonstrating Christ in all things, in thought, word, attitude, deed, actions? How are we demonstrating Jesus Christ? Are we going out and trying to tell everybody that as much as we can about Jesus Christ? In fact, uh, when we look at um, uh, uh, Nicholas here, uh, that he, they sent out missionaries, and where they were sending the missionaries was overseas, and they said over, uh, over half of those missionaries would die on the ship because of the extreme conditions uh, to get them there, and that uh, when they did finally make it, they would raise their, their hands in the sky, praising God uh, for delivering them to that location, just so they could witness and minister to other people about Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes I ask, uh, do we have that kind of faith to know that if we, if God sent us somewhere, would we have that same enduring love and faith for Jesus Christ to know that if we go in this direction, it may cost our very lives? Do, could we do that? Could I do that? You know, that's something we all have to pray about, think about. Is that something we could possibly do? Look what I've done for you. What have you done for me? I mean, that's a, a question we all need to ask ourselves each and every day. What am I doing for Jesus Christ? I'm a new creature of Jesus Christ. I am not my own. In fact, I want you to look over here at um, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have God, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. So we were bought out. We were ransomed out. You know, when you look at um, uh, the price of something, when you look at the currency, you know. Uh, just even when, from when I was a teenager, you know, grass, gas used to be 99 cents, you know. Uh, when I uh, was, uh, uh, we'd go to the stores and stuff, 
I would, uh, I knew I could always try to talk mom into a uh, matchbox car or Hot Wheels car. They were like 50 cents or something, you know, and so I usually try to talk her into that. I couldn't get the toys I wanted, but I usually talk her into a Hot Wheels car. And so, you know, it's pretty inexpensive. But uh, but now, the fact we got the store the other day, and Brittany, she loves a, she wants a Porsche so bad she can't stand it. So I saw a Porsche, looks like a matchbox car Porsche. I thought, I, I won't buy that for her. I thought that particular. Went up there, rung it up, $5. Oh, $5? Good grief, you better be able to drive that thing for $5, man. I like to die. I expected 99 cents. It was $5 for that stupid thing. So I, she said, well, you don't have to get it. I said, no, I wouldn't say I bought you a Porsche. But anyway, so, but, uh, you know, but you see how, how, how a dollar doesn't go as far as it used to anymore and how prices fluctuate and uh, the stock market goes up and down. But the price that, that Christ paid, that doesn't fluctuate. That doesn't change. It is the same here in, in uh, East Tennessee as it is in the farthest reaches of Africa. That same price that Jesus paid to save us, that doesn't change. That is the saving blood of Jesus Christ. And so no matter where you're at in this world, Jesus Christ loved you enough to save you. See, that's where uh, when you buy something, that is your possession, that is yours to own. That's why God's word says we are not ours. God, Jesus Christ delivered us. He owns us. We are his position. We are not our own. And so there's another question you'd ask yourself, uh, you know, each morning as you wake up, you know, uh, I am not my own. Uh, and, and, and how am I living my life? You know, if, if this life is not mine, whose is it? Well, if it belongs to Jesus Christ, then am I honoring Christ and all those things? You know, ask yourself uh, those questions each morning because that may be the only day you have. Like I, I've told you before, when I do my uh, morning devotions, the one thing I say each and every morning is when I close is to say live each day as if it were your last because one day it will be. And one day it will be. So that's why we have to live each day for Jesus Christ, taking our spiritual pulse, if you will, and seeking out God the Father and seeing how we can be used for his glory each and every day. You know, when John the Baptist saw Jesus Christ, he said, behold the Lamb. Well, that was referencing back to the Old Testament when the Hebrews, uh, when they did the sprinkling of blood over the doorposts so that they would be saved, so the angel of death would pass by. How Jesus Christ saves us now. How in the Old Testament we had uh, the sacrifice of animals. But it wasn't enough to cover those multitude of sins. It only took one man. It only took Jesus Christ. The one who was uh, uh, perfect in every way, shape, form, or fashion. He was the only one who could atone for our sins for all of eternity. He's the one that took our place upon that cross. So that we could be, we could be reconciled to God. All right, to be reconciled. When you, when you have to reconcile, uh, that, you know, say if uh, me and Bernie had a falling out and, uh, and, and we got into a big argument and, and nothing, you know, we, we went our separate ways and didn't want anything to do with each other anymore. And, uh, but whatever reason, uh, Lord touched our hearts and decided to talk it out and we figured it out and we become best friends. Uh, well, that's a reconciliation. You know, we, we, even though something divided us, we were able to reconcile that and come back together as friends. Sin separated us from God. Sin separated us so that we were separated, we were apart. But what Jesus Christ did on the, on the cross reconciled us. It brought us back to where we could be worthy to stand before God the Father. That we were no longer slaves to sins, but as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And you know, that's one thing, that's one thing that God's Word says to us time and again. That His Word, God's Word, His, what He says to us will cause division in the home. Because you will have situations where the parents may not be saved, but then, a, then the son or the daughter may get saved. Or there may be situations where the parents are saved, but the son or the daughter is going a separate direction. It will cause division in the home. 
God's word is clear about that. And, and so that's why he says, who are less father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Who are less uh, 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 mother and daughter uh, is not worthy of me. Because we have to make sure, no matter what happens, no matter what divisions happen in our lives, that we accept Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, that we put him first and foremost above all things. That's one thing I've tried to explain to my son and my daughter, to put everything in his proper perspective, that we put God first, no matter what, we put him first. Family second. Then worry about your jobs and everything else underneath that. Because nothing else is, is more important than Jesus Christ. He shed his blood to die for us. So we can have regeneration. So that we can be born anew. We can be born again because of that saving power of that blood. You know, just like that song. That, that power, that wonder-working power. That saving blood that only Christ can shed to atone for our sins for all of eternity. It took Jesus Christ to do that. See, we were all, see, that's the little thing we was talking about Wednesday night, that, that God demanded justice, all right? There was no, you know, as I was talking about, you know, sometimes we want to sweep those sins under the rug and not think about that, but there's no way to, to, to sweep those cosmic sins under the rug. God demanded justice, and we were all headed for hell. You know, some people want to talk about a God that's unjust and unfair and, and, and cruel and, and, uh, and, and all these things that are not true. Because if God was cruel and unjust and didn't care about us, he wouldn't have sent his only son to save us. Jesus left the glories of heaven to come to earth to show us the way. He didn't have to do that. He could have been born in the greatest and nicest mansion in the world, but he'd come and be born in a lowly manger. Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, knew no sin at all, was beaten for you, was nailed to a cross for you, so he could have the shedding of blood to atone for our sins. He gave his life so that we could live eternally. And so many people, as we were talking about a little bit on Wednesday evening, that, you know, here we're given a free gift of salvation. And yet so many people push that away. They don't, they don't want that. They, they, they would rather live in, in their own little world. They want to deny God as the true God of the Bible. They don't, want to, they don't want to say that God exists. They don't want to say that Jesus Christ exists because then they have to realize that they're maybe living a, a life that is not pleasing unto God. Then they have to make a decision between God or hell. And it just amazes me so many times on social media. Uh, in fact, uh, there's someone that posted on there the other day, and it just, it, it just blew my mind. It just really blew my mind. They put on there and said, I wish people quit telling my daughter that she's going to go to hell and she don't believe in God. And I was like, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't bad enough. You know, I was thinking, you know, well, you need to understand that if you or your daughter or anybody doesn't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will spend an eternity in hell. But then underneath that, all the comments were, uh, well, uh, hell is a fairy tale that doesn't exist. Heaven doesn't exist. And, and that uh, God should be racked up there with the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and, and all the other fairy tale creatures. I, just, I, I tell you, when I was reading that, I, was, I could feel myself getting more and more angry. And I was going to top something so bad, but it's like, just quit, just don't, just don't. Because it wouldn't go bad. It wouldn't solve a thing, but just cause an argument and debate. So I, I, I didn't put anything on there. But it just blows my mind. You know, I can understand an agnostic. At least they, they believe in a higher power. We at least, you know, they have some hope of maybe trying to get to them and let them understand the things of Jesus Christ. But for someone to be so ignorant as to say that there is no God, that is blatant and willful ignorance uh, to do so. I can assure you that God is real. I can assure you that Jesus Christ is real. Can I prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is real? No. That's, that is, I think that's why God wants us to come to him with a certain amount of faith. That's why Jesus Christ told doubt, in Thomas. You know, he wanted to see the scars in his hand and his side. I mean, and he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. But when it comes to God, there are certain character things that, uh, 
that we can uh, glean from to prove that Turkey is a god when it comes to the ontological, the teleological, uh, cosmological, the moral law, the moral law, and the Sabbath. There's a universal belief that uh, between right and wrong, that stealing is wrong, murder is wrong. Well, where do we get that? There had to be something that, that caused that moral law. So that in itself, uh, we, we, should, we have these things to, to point to us to understand that there is a creator. And we understand, we look at secular history, we understand that Jesus Christ is real. Well, for me, if Jesus Christ, and history records that Jesus Christ was real and did walk this earth, then that has to tell me that there truly is a God. When you look at the intricacies, when you look talk about the blood, you know, when you look at blood, how it flows through, you know, look at it this way. Now, blood, uh, if you say, you think of a pipeline, and this pipeline ran through every place that you go to your home, to the cities, every area, every aspect of every state in the country. I mean, it, it, you couldn't miss it. I mean, that pipeline is everywhere. And in, in that pipeline are uh, things that, um, that bring us nourishment and things that we need, that's food and water and clothing. It's got these little carts that go everywhere that, we, that, that brings us the stuff that we need. Well, <coughs> excuse me, that's just like uh, our blood. You know, it has the lipids and cholesterol and well, there's bad cholesterol or good cholesterol, but uh, there's, uh, you know, calcium. And all these things that infiltrate every area and every aspect of our body that we have to have in order to live. Well, just think, Jesus Christ infiltrated. When we accept Jesus Christ, our personal Lord Savior, he infiltrates every single area, every cell, every aspect of our lives. When you look at just the intricacy of our cells, you know, it's amazing to me. In fact, we even, I even had to take a class on the cell's design and the intricacies of a cell uh, that, so, that they even have a little motor and a, and a little propeller and, and just amazing that it, it, proving that there had to be a creator. You know, you just don't look like, uh, go look at a speedboat and say, you know what, over thousands of years, all these wood and, and rocks come together and that speedboat come, uh, popped up all by itself. It evolved over years of time. Well, no, that'd be ludicrous. You can see on there that it was made in wherever you know, somebody had to design, make and create that. Well, our brains are far more superior than the best computer in the world. There had to be a creator. There had to be a God. There is a God, and that is the God of the Bible, who sent his only son to save you from a very real and eternal hell. He had to shed that blood. Like I said, in the Old Testament, there's probably all these carcasses laying around where they had to uh, sheep and goats. Uh, without blemish to, uh, to atone for sins, but it was not that permanent atonement. That's why it took Jesus Christ to shed his blood for us. That wonder-working power of the blood, that's what saved us. And you have that choice. You have that decision of what you want to do, to accept or reject. And I can assure you that you are, that's one great thing uh, as a Christian. That because of what Christ did, that, that, that propitiation uh, of our sins. In fact, I want you to look over here at Acts 20, 28. Acts 20, 20 I remember making a hit on that just a minute ago. Acts 20, 28. turn here. Acts 20, 28. It says, Take heed therefore to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you, overseers, to feed the church of God, which hath purchased with his own blood. See, he has purchased the church. You know, in fact, uh, 
the Apostle Paul even addressed uh, this very uh, very thing here, talking about uh, how the church has been purchased through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are purchased. We are not our own. Christ purchased us. He ransomed us for us. We were slaves to sin. But by his blood, he purchased us. He owns us. But first, you have to give your heart to him. And that's why, you know, we look at, you know, today is, is going to Sanctity of Life Sunday. The sanctity of life, how precious life is, how short life is. You know, God's Word tells us time and time again that we're, we're a bit of vapor. We're only here for a little while, just a little short span. Uh, I was just the other day, it's hard to believe, uh, in May 25th of 2021, next year, I've been out of high school for 30 years. I don't seem possible. It just does not seem possible. It's like I saw a thing the other day I really liked it. The biggest uh, injuries to men is old men still thinking they're young men. You know, that's, that's the cause of the most, most injuries to men. And it's true because I don't feel like it's been 30 years. I've only been a few years and it just don't seem possible. But time goes by that quick. And my point is, we only have a short amount of time to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And as I said before, according to Barna Group, uh, the uh, statistically three-fourths of the congregation are not saved. I can assure you that coming to church is not going to save you. Good works is not going to save you. Speaking Christianese and being look like the biggest saint in the world is not going to save you. The only thing that's going to save you is that atoning sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ, accepting Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior, asking forgiveness of your sins. Accepting Jesus Christ in your heart, understanding that the death, burial, resurrection, understanding what Christ did for you, that He took your place on the cross. We who are sinners deserve the beating. We who are sinners deserve being down on the cross. We deserve the worst punishment man could ever dish out. We deserve that. But Jesus Christ took that upon Himself. And so, as today, we need to make sure and understand where we're at in our spiritual walk. Have you truly asked yourself, have I really prayed that accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Am I just going through the motions? Am I just showing up to church? Am I just uh, playing a role? Do I truly understand that what Jesus Christ done for me on the cross? He did it for each and every one of you. He did it for me. I cannot express enough. I'm telling you right now, you're, the way the world is imploding, Jesus Christ is, is coming back soon. There's just there's no other way around. I mean, you can look at in the Bible and Revelation all through the it was like, you might as well be reading today's paper. Christ is returning soon. And you're going to be caught up when we get the word rapture. Get caught up. Because I've had people say, you know, rapture's not in the Bible. Oh, well, that's why we get the word from the Greek rapture. is caught up. Jesus Christ is going to return. And either you're going to be left here or you're going to be spending eternity in heaven. I love that video. And you all may have seen it on YouTube where it shows the pastor preaching. And he's talking about how Jesus Christ is returning. And he said he'd be returning any second. And all of a sudden, BAM! All of a sudden, it just lightning flashed. And so many people are just gone. They disappear. And the other people are looking around like, oh, no. And they hit the ground on their knees crying. Are you going to be one of the ones caught up? Or are you going to be the ones sitting here on your knees crying, wondering what happened, wish you'd believed? You will stand. We'll have a word of prayer. And if you have not made a profession of faith, I ask that you will uh, come up here and, and pray with me. Or if you have any concerns, be happy to come up here and pray with me as well. Let us, let us pray. Dear Father, Lord, we just thank you, love you, and praise you. Lord, thank you so much for this uh, wonderful day. Thank you for the opportunity to spread the gospel message.
thank you for the opportunity to talk about the power of the blood and what a great power it is. Lord, there's more power in one drop of Jesus' blood than all of hell's kingdom. Lord, for anyone this morning that doesn't know you, let me pray this prayer. Dear God, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the grave for me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. says what's in your wallet you get to heaven what's in your what's going to be in your wallet did you uh, have the same power of jesus christ or did you deny him so uh you can think about that let's go ahead and have a word of prayer lord we just thank you love you and praise you thank you again for this day your grace and your mercy and lord is pray to be this your person here to lead god with your protection when we meet again lord we praise your holy name we thank you for your goodness grace and mercy in jesus name i pray amen y'all good day <laughs>